to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Why don't we stand in honor of reading the word of the Lord, but let's make this declaration. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. Let's look at Luke 19. Luke 19 and verse 28. I'm going to share with you uh, three points today. Um, and I'll get to those three points here in a moment. But Luke 19, 28, I'm going to read through 31. When you got it, say amen. amen. If you need more time, say hold up, wait a minute. Sorry. All right. I, I, <laughs> praise God. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. And I want to preach to you this afternoon on this Palm Sunday the king we need, not the king we want. The king we need, not the king we want. Father, help us today. We'll give you thanks and praise. Anoint every hearer. Anoint me, God, to teach and preach your word with relevancy and accuracy. And most important, under your unction, we'll give you the glory. I release the gift of faith. Do whatever you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. amen. High five somebody before you're seated. I'm going to give you three points today, and these three points are, uh, yeah, if you want to get in a couple extra high fives, I ain't mad at you. Get a, get a few more in. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to give you three points today. These three points are going to be the significance of Jesus' entry into uh, the city. Uh, the second is the opportunity that Israel missed. And then the third thing that I'm going to talk about is making Jesus into someone he is not. So we're going to do it. Y'all ready? Okay. The message of Palm Sunday is a message that everybody needs to hear. Most of us understand that Palm Sunday uh, is the Sunday before Easter. And again, I'm super excited about Easter. It's the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey or a colt. And the people laid palm leaves and cloaks down on the street to honor him. And for most of us, that is the extent of our understanding as it relates to Palm Sunday. But there's so much more about the account of what took place and that we need to understand. And it's my hope that I'll be able to give you some insight that will not only encourage you but help you apply some things here in just a few moments. Now, our text stated that before going to Jerusalem, Jesus stayed in Bethany. Now, he was at the home of his really close friend. They were like family, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. How many of y'all are familiar with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha? Okay, you're familiar with their story. So, 
the Gospel of John records Jesus having dinner with his friends. This would really be Jesus' last moments of peace and comfort on earth. I know some of you might say, well, what about the Last Supper? Uh, that was an interesting moment because if you remember in the Last Supper, uh, the disciples are bickering about who's the greatest among them. I mean, they're missing like the monumental gravity of the moment. And so Jesus doing what he always does, teaching and modeling the way he's doing that. So that was not really a time of solace and comfort, uh, but he had a special connection with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So these are really his last moments of peace. And while he's there, Jesus sent two of his disciples into the village to retrieve a, a colt or a donkey, depending upon the translation you've re, uh, you're reading. And in particular, this donkey had never been ridden. Now, you got to understand why he's riding the donkey. I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. But Jesus was going to ride this donkey into Jerusalem. And I want to draw your attention to a few significant details. First, the fact is that Jesus is going to Jerusalem is a really big deal. On many other occasions, we find Jesus leaving Jerusalem. Because of the dangers he faced there. They were always wanting to kill him on full display at Jerusalem. That's why most of his ministry is in the area of Galilee. Because of the tension and the palpable friction. You know when you're not wanted somewhere. You know you've been there where you show up to the party and you're like, yeah, I feel like the uninvited guest. That's why we let everybody know everybody's welcome at Extraordinary Church. I don't ever want somebody, I don't ever want somebody to feel like they have, they, they're not welcome. Everybody is welcome. But Jesus knows, can I tell you, he knows when you don't want him there. And when we make it known, guess what? He's like, well, I'll just, I'll move on and minister and, and do what I can in a, in a place where I am welcome. I don't know about you, not only do I want to welcome people, but I want to welcome the king. I want him to know, God, you're welcome here. Come dwell among us. Come have your way in what we're doing. So, on this occasion, it's really, really difficult because Jesus knew what he was about to face in Jerusalem. He knew he was about to be tortured. He knew he was about to be crucified. He knew he was about to be murdered. On top of all that, he's innocent. To add to the difficulty, Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem in a way that had never been done before. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem riding on a colt. He knew he was about, you gotta, he wasn't going to walk in, he wasn't going to sneak in. But on this trip, Jesus is getting ready to make a very public declaration of who he is or a horse. In times of peace, a king would ride a colt or a donkey. <laughs> For Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey was to declare he is the king. I also want you to remember that he, he rode in on this donkey, not a horse. So this was a peaceful declaration. This was a peaceful demonstration of who he is. He was letting everybody know, I'm the king of peace. I'm going to restore order. Let me just tell you, when Jesus steps into your world, peace will be there. 
There might be chaos going on everywhere else, but as long as he is there, you can have peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the chaos. There is peace. Why? Because he is peace. He's the prince of peace. This is a peaceful demonstration. Now, the tensions are palpable because politically, things are remarkably volatile. Spiritually speaking, the climate is at an all-out war. You've got bickering amongst the religious groups, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the uh, Zealots, the Essens. All of them are jockeying for position, political prestige, if you will. Jesus has got followers, but then he's got doubters. They're, some are calling him a savior. Some are calling him a lunatic. It's absolutely bonkers what's happening. you got his followers thinking, yeah, we're following you, but we're following you because we're about to usurp the authority of Rome. This was like no other time in the history of Israel. The question is, how would the people react? The Gospel of John gives us some great insight to their reaction where the other Gospels don't. That's why I love John because the other Gospels are known as synoptic Gospels. But John gives us some insight into something that's really, really important. Look at John chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Stick with me as we dance through some of this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who uh, was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 9. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came. Watch this. Not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, I love that because not only did they come to see Jesus, but they came to see somebody who was dead, now alive and well and resurrected. I'm telling you right now, not only do they want to see Jesus, but they want to see how you've been set free from cocaine. They want to see how you've been set free from addictions. They want to see how your marriage is on the precipice of divorce. Now it's restored and thriving. They want to see how you once had cancer and the doctors said you'd be dead and gone, but you're still here five years later, ten years later, cancer-free, giving God the glory. People want to see the miraculous hand of God. So check this out. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. <laughs> this is fascinating. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. <laughs> this is why when they encounter, when they see the miracle, they cannot deny that he is God. 
they, 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 they cannot argue. Yeah, you, you were right. You, you, I saw you. I, I know what you used to be like, and you remind me nothing like that now. You are so unrecognizable to your past. I've got no choice but to declare clearly Jesus is who he says he is. So the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him, and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now, this is really like a, a, a rallying cry of sorts, if you will, for the people, because now they believe, and they're behind him, if you will. They understand that he's got power. You got to understand, this was important for them for uh, several reasons. But when they understood the power that he has and that he just opened up his mouth and told Lazarus to come up out of that grave, they were ready to get behind him because they knew that kind of power, nothing could stand in its way. No army could defeat that kind of power. No army could withstand that kind of power. And they wanted to align themselves with that king. So just a short time before Palm Sunday, Jesus had performed his greatest miracle, the raising of his friend Lazarus from the dead. We don't know exactly how much time passes between those two events, but we do know that when people found out that Jesus was at Lazarus' house, they came not only to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus. They wanted to check out the miracles for themselves. And the Bible says that the very next day was Palm Sunday. The latest buzz in Jerusalem had to be the talk of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So when Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a colt or a donkey that had never been ridden, there was electricity in the air. There was excitement in the air. Jesus was the topic of the conversation. I want there to be an excitement in Mississauga. I want there to be an anticipation. I want there to be an electricity in the air. And who is the topic of the conversation? Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want there to be something palpable in this region. The moment they come in, they come in expecting. The moment they come in, they come in ready to worship. The moment they come in. And to add to that electricity, to add to that tension, to add to this moment, it's the Passover. Now, people were gathering in Jerusalem from far and wide for the Passover. This is a celebration. Like you all know how we did with ECS 5. Celebrate. I mean, they're ready to celebrate. <laughs> we're going to have a good time tonight. All right, let's stop. Pastor Barry, get me fired up. So, this excitement is in the air, right? People were gathering from all over. And the Passover is the greatest and most celebrated event on the Jewish calendar. So, I don't know if any of you all have been to Austin, Texas, but uh, we're not from Austin, Texas, but we lived in Austin, Texas for a number of years. Um, and they have a conference called South by Southwest. Uh, it has grown to be one of the most kind of indie roots type conferences where they focus on technology, uh, media or entertainment, if you will, music. And literally like 
everybody from old and young, they like just converge upon the city of Austin, and it is just teeming with excitement and anticipation. I remember one of the times my mother and sister flew in during South by Southwest, and they were so excited. Uh, I'm dating myself, and some of y'all might not even heard of this brother, but they were really excited because uh, they got a chance to meet LL Cool J in the in the air, you know, in the airport. And so, and my mom was like, you know, she just doing the most. She had to go and talk to him, and like, this is my son, and all this stuff. Uh, talk, calling the man her son. She ain't even met the man before, but he giving her, he gave her a big hug, and they got pictures and all that stuff. So everybody comes to Austin during this time. It was teeming with life. It's teeming with life at that time. This is how Jerusalem is. That's what it was like in Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. People everywhere. And in Austin, they'd be talking about the conference. I mean, the conference, these, I mean, they have, they would have, a, it's such a big deal. It's, it's, a, it's, it's almost cult-like in the sense of how people follow it. But you could be there and, and you could, uh, they'd have little pop-ups. That's kind of where that came from, this concept of pop-ups. They'd have pop-ups. And you would just go by and you wouldn't know when a pop-up would pop up. And it would pop up. And you'd be like, yo, let me go check out this. It just popped up. And you would go scan it and you'd be like, yo, first 75 people. Prince is doing a show, intimate, just for, the two, for those 75 people. And people would like, they swarm over there and do that. And then it buzzed me, and they're like, yo, Prince is in town. I know Prince ain't here no more, but like, Prince is in town. And like, yo, he's on, or Beyonce. I mean, all these big names would show up, and they wouldn't publicize it. They wouldn't put it out there or anything. And these pop-ups would just happen. Just like, I mean, people, and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be following this stuff. And it would get back to me. That Prince is in town. That Beyonce is in. I don't know nothing about Beyonce. Other than they, I think they call her Queen B or Bay. I don't know. But I know nothing about her. So my point is the word is spreading. This is how it was for Jesus. The word had spread so much so that people are like, he's here. He's here. Have you heard of the miracle worker? He's here. Have you heard of the Son of God? He's here. Think of the people who were in Jerusalem that day. Jesus' disciples, they're there. Among the crowd would be the people that Jesus healed. The blinded eyes. I mean, the people that were possessed. Free. The, the woman at the well. She's there. I mean, all types of people who have been, the people that were 5,000, women and children making more, were in that crowd. The demoniac was there in that crowd. And then you have people that are his followers. The disciples, they're there. You had those who had witnessed the miracles and heard his teachings. They were there. But then you have Sadducees. Pharisees. I wanted to crack that Coney joke. They were Sadducees because they were sad. You see? Y'all know that was funny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. Come back next Sunday. I'll have another one. The Sadducees, the Pharisees were there. The keepers of the law. Those who were jealous of Jesus. Those who felt threatened by Jesus. So they're there. Then you have the Romans. 
the occupying government. They're there watching and waiting for any sign of rebellion, ready to crush any uprising. All of these people, this cacophony of people, or there, had heard Jesus is coming into Jerusalem that day. And now, here they are waiting on the sides of the road, on both sides of the road. Many of them taking off their cloaks, laying down their cloaks on the streets as a sign of reverence to their king. They had cut down palm branches in anticipation of his arrival. And then finally, Jesus arrives on a colt. Surely... This is their king. People pushing, trying to get a glimpse, calling on his name, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. That is the setting that Jesus rides into on Palm Sunday. Now imagine with me how Jesus must have felt that Sunday. Jesus understood that there were just a few more days until his crucifixion. Jesus knew that thousands of people shouting, Hosanna to the king, would be shouting, away with him, crucify him, in just a few days' time. Jesus knew that the people did not really understand what this moment meant. Here they're caught up in the moment. They had heard about all the wonderful things that Jesus could do. They thought that Jesus was coming to rescue them from their oppressors. They expected Jesus to become the physical king of Israel, to restore her back to her glory days as it had been under King David. See, yes, there were a few in the crowd clearly that knew who he really was. There were a few of his followers there that were sincere, but even they did not understand what's happening in that very moment. They also thought that Jesus would rescue them from Rome's oppression. You see, when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a colt, the people understood that to mean that Jesus was claiming to be a conquering king, a warlord who would come in and crush Rome. That's why they were waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna. The Greek word, Hosanna, means to save. And the waving of palm branches was a practice that had begun 200 years previously. A bloodthirsty Syrian king named Antichus uh, Epiphanes had beaten the Jews into submission. And on one occasion, he slaughtered a pig in the Holy of Holies and made the priest drink its blood. And after several years of this, a man named Judas Maccabee had enough. Maccabee, whose name meant hammer. And his brothers launched guerrilla warfare against this group. Nine, year late, nine years later, Maccabee and his band of renegades miraculously overcame the Assyrian army and, drive, uh, and drove Epiphanes out of Jerusalem. The people spontaneously celebrated by waving palm branches. From that forward, from that time forward, palm branches became a symbol of deliverance and oppression and war. So on Palm Sunday, 200 years later, the people were waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna in anticipation of Jesus becoming their deliverer from Roman oppression. This is why they missed it. 
this is why just a few days later, they're willing to shout out, away with him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas. <laughs> what did Jesus ever do to you? He betrayed us. We thought he would come and conquer Rome. Can I tell you, they had it messed up because he wasn't the king they wanted. But he was the king they needed. Y'all need to hear me this afternoon. He, 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 he might not be the one that's going to help you win the lottery, but he will be the one that will rescue your soul. He might not be the one that's going to put all the money in your bank, but he will make sure every need is supplied according to his riches in glory. He may not be the one that gets you the job or gets you that boo or your babe, but he will be the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll make sure every need is supplied. He'll take care of you. He'll be with you. He'll be exactly what you need. Don't miss the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because he's not what you want. He'll give you peace in the midst of chaos. He'll give you hope that will never be extinguished. He'll give you something certain that can never be undone. Don't you miss him because he's not what you want. Jesus had come to Jerusalem riding a donkey, the symbol of peace. He'd come to Jerusalem not with a political message but with a spiritual message. He came to Jerusalem as the king of peace, love, and compassion. He came to Jerusalem with a message of forgiveness and hope. And when I continue reading this text, look at Luke 19, 41, 44. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you all, you of all people, would understand the way to peace, 43. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. When Jesus ascends to the hill, Jerusalem, and when he gets close enough to hear people's cry and see the palm branches waving in the air, his heart sinks into his chest. Jesus begins to cry. Why did he cry? Why did he cry? This is one and only time in Scripture that we find Jesus crying over a multitude of people. I know he cried over Lazarus. That was over one person. But I'm talking about crying over a multitude of people. It's not that Jesus wasn't emotional. He had compassion for the multitudes. That is what moved him to perform miracles. But Jesus, Jesus cried over the multitude this one time. It was on Palm Sunday that Jesus cried for all humanity. It's on Palm Sunday that he cried for all of his children. It was on Palm Sunday that he cried for you and he cried for me. The reason Jesus cried was because the people had totally missed the message. He saw the masses of people lining up on the streets crying out, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna to the king. In other words, they're saying, rescue us, rescue us. He saw their faces. He looking into their eyes and he saw the emptiness that was there. 
They didn't understand why he had come. They had missed the message of peace. They had missed the message of love. They had missed the message of, of hope. They had missed it. And all he could do was weep and cry over them, saying, if you only understood why I came, if you could only know what this day is all about, if the people had understood the message of Christ, what could have been possible? Jesus was crying because the people had missed an opportunity to change their future. They had missed an opportunity to change their world. See, I want to read this to you again. Look at Luke 19, 41, 44. But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead. He began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. Complete devastation because you did not recognize it. When God visited you. Easy famine friends, do you hear me? Do you understand the devastation when we don't recognize the moment he's here? Palm Sunday could have been a new beginning for Israel. Israel had an opportunity to show Rome something new. Show, show them something meaningful. Israel missed a glorious opportunity to be light in a dark world. Israel missed an opportunity for salvation because she was too concerned about her present condition. Too caught up in the realm of the physical to miss what was happening in the spirit. They're too concerned about what's happening in the temporary to recognize what's happening in the eternal. May that never be said of us. May we realize the moment. May we realize our king is here. May we realize the hope and love that he brings that's available to all. May we realize this moment for eternity. I know we're in this flesh now, but there will come a time where all of us, unless he tarries, unless he comes and gets us, will step out of this time into time no more, into eternity. And in that moment, we will look back and say, God, did I miss it? This is why Jesus wept. He looked at the city of Jerusalem. He could see the beautiful temple in ruins and the enemies of God crushing the people on every side. This is why he wept. The message of Palm Sunday stayed the same. For 2,000 plus years, he's still weeping today. He's weeping for your family. He's crying over the greater Toronto-Hamilton area. Do they, do they understand this moment? Do they understand this moment? Do we understand? The Kairos moment that we're in. Let me tell you why it's important we get it now. Because his weeping is about to be over. <laughs> 
There is a day very near when the Bible says he's coming back. He ain't coming back on no cult. He's coming back on a king, white stallion. In other words, he's not returning as a peaceful king, but as a conquering king. He's coming to defeat the armies of this world once and for all. I'm telling you, he is coming back. People get ready. Jesus is coming. There'll be a time where the trumpet, the dead in Christ will arise. That trumpet's going to sound. Them that remain shall be caught up in the air with him forever. I'm telling you, he's coming back. He's coming back. And here's the cool thing. I know I was just talking about the rapture, but when we come back, we can be a part of that army. On that day, on that day, when we all come back, it'll be too late. It's a wrap. There'll be no receiving any messages from the Lord. On that day, it'll be entirely too late to wave palm branches. Talking about Hosanna, save us, save us. On that day, it'll be too late to save your family. Can I tell you? See, the people of Israel were so caught up in their problems, they tried to make Jesus into somebody he was not. You and I have to be careful. He is not some cosmic genie. He is not your cosmic sugar daddy. He is the master of the universe. He is the creator of the universe. He is the alpha and omega. In the beginning, God. Before the beginning was God. He is God now, and once time is no more, he will always be God. That's why eternity is the only point of reference we have to worship him, because we'll never exhaust the revelation of his power. We'll never exhaust the revelation of who he is, his holiness, his character. It will take eternity to get our minds around him. We'll never exhaust it. He is not some weak, feeble potentate. He is the one who told the waves. He is the one who has marked boundaries with his words. He is the one who governs seasons. Hear me, I ain't trying to upset nobody right now. With climate change, and I'm not telling you that we, what we do doesn't have an impact on the environment. Clearly it does. But my word tells me that summer and spring Winter and fall will always take place. Why? Because he said so. He is the master of the universe. Don't you make him into somebody he is not. Some of us get frustrated and we wonder why we're not experiencing biblical results. Could it be that we're not worshiping a biblical Jesus? Could it be that you are worshiping the Jesus you want, not the Jesus you need? Could it be that you are exalting an idol that is so far removed from the true character of who he is that even when you hear his voice, you don't recognize it because it doesn't appeal to your flesh? Could it be that you tuned him out when he comes back with no? Could it be that you tuned him out because it will cost you absolutely Oh, this is, I'm not talking about the king we want. 
I'm talking about the king we need. He's so much of a king that I, I don't know any... Uh, he gets down on his knees. First of all, he comes and robes himself in flesh. He, he, he wasn't fashioned by man. He's not some image made from a rock or wood. This God puts on this flesh and comes to pay a price for us. This God leaves heaven where all of the angels, you know, when we talk about eternity, it's really important you get this because like the angels, we are finite, limited, like bound by time, okay? All of us, unless he comes back, are going to experience death. And the only thing I can tell you is, like, this ain't some pie in the sky. Like, I mean, read it. You know, I ain't trying to bust everybody's theological bubbles, but people talking about some people looking down over it. No. Sorry, fam. You got to stay in the book. You got to stay in the book. He, he, he puts on flesh. Now, the crazy thing is the angels... They need eternity to worship him because we're not bound by time. They can't even exhaust one revelation of eternity and get the full understanding of who he is. You and I in our lifetime are getting just a glimpse. But when we step into eternity, are you hearing me? God is so awesome. He's so expansive, he's so inexhaustible that eternity will forever reveal something new about who he is. It will forever reveal how powerful he is, the depth of that power, the richness of his holiness, the vastness of his character. It won't be exhausted because of who he is. That God humbled himself. That's the God that we need. That's the God that I need to worship him and to bless him. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. Here's what we do. I'm almost done. But here's what we do. We try to make Jesus into the Jesus we want. This is what they did. They tried to make him into the Jesus they wanted. And once that Jesus was no longer useful to them, they rejected him. Their cry changed from Hosanna, save us, to he's guilty. Crucify him. And the very same people lay in reverence, murder him five days later. The world is making Jesus into the Jesus they want. They are making Jesus into the Jesus that is useful to them. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are either for him or we are against him. We either accept and embrace his message or reject him. There is no gray area here, fam. I must ask myself, am I like the Jewish people on that day on Palm Sunday? 
Am I too caught up in the cares of this life to consider the things that are of, are of eternal importance? Is Jesus weeping over me this afternoon? What does Jesus see when he looks into your face? Is Jesus weeping over you? We can't make Jesus into who we want him to be. Can I just say something as our musicians come? If Jesus doesn't fit into your plans, you need to change your plans. If Jesus doesn't fit into your life, you need to change your life. Better yet, you need to let Jesus change your life. Don't get too caught up in this life, on this earth, that you miss out on what Jesus has been planning for you for an eternity. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his love. I need his forgiveness. I need his spirit. I need his hope. You know what's crazy? I was thinking about this. The Bible talks about let this mind that is in you, let the mind that's in Christ Jesus be in you. And I'm thinking to myself, the Lord is like, you know, he didn't just give us his thoughts. He gave us him. We, when you're filled with his spirit, baptized in his name, there's, there's a oneness. No, no separation. There's no, no, no separation. I'm one with him. <laughs> and that awareness brings me to a place where I lift my hands and I cry out, Hosanna. Hosanna. The more I know him, the more I am aware Oh, wretched man that I am. The more I know him, the more I'm quick to get down on my knees, lift my hands, and worship him. The more I know him, the more I stand in awe of his holiness and his power. The more I recognize I need his grace and his mercy. I wonder what would happen if on this Sunday we had an understanding of what they didn't have an understanding of 2,000 years ago. I wonder what would happen in this region if these people, the 170 that are here today, got the understanding. You're my king, Jesus. What could happen if we understood what would happen in Mississauga? What would happen in your college campus? If we really understood how much he wants to impact our world. Why don't we stand? So, I can remember when I 
no longer served a fictitious Jesus. Because up into uh, early on in my, y'all know my story. I won't get into it. You know pieces of my story anyway. Uh, I would pray. But it was always about, and it, you can pray and talk to the Lord about anything. He, he's concerned about everything that's happening in your life. But typically, my prayers revolved around me. Me getting what I wanted. Me getting what I knew and thought was best for me. Me getting my dreams fulfilled. Me getting the job I wanted. Me getting the relationships, the people in my life that I wanted. Me getting the dollar, the bank account that I wanted. Me getting the car that I wanted. Me getting the results that I wanted. And you know what's interesting? That, that never really materialized. didn't materialize. And it wasn't until I stepped into a church realizing I tried everything you could think of. Pastor Ray, would you pastor that Hosanna, uh, that Palm Branch? Praise God. Thank you, sir. It wasn't until I came to an altar, walked over to the side, and I realized at that point everything else had let me down. And here's what I was willing to do. I want you to hear me. I was willing to surrender to Jesus Christ no matter the cost. Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, man, that sounds so expensive. Does it really take all that? All I'm saying is, let me give it to you another way. I was done with everything else. This was not some negotiation. This was not some plea bargain. You know, can I just tell you, it's all or nothing. Like, when I married her, you know the vows? I looked her in the face. Here, they can't see you because of my big head. So we'll do the side view. I looked her in the face and I said, I would forsake all others. She had to, she hesitated. When it got to her turn, I was like, why are, you, why are your lips trembling? I was like, spit it out, spit it out. I was like, you mine and I'm yours. You know what? With the Lord, it's the same way. Lord, I'm no longer going to make you into something I want. But I want you to be the king you need, I need. Be the king I need. Be the counselor I need. Be the healing I need. Be the peace I need. Be the love that calls me out of my place of comfort into a place of forgiveness and healing. Come on. Now, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're going to cry out. Doesn't that change your perspective when you cry out, Hosanna, save us? Come on. When you cry out, Hosanna, save us, I want to invite you to come to this altar. Some of you might want to bring palm branches, but this time I want you to come crying out, God, save me. My king, save me. This is not the king that I want. Be the king that I need today. Come on and fill this altar. Make this your cry today. I see the king of glory coming on. 
listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.